<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we tap experts on topics that matter most to the modern working woman, whether you are running the show or working your side hustle. We're bringing in leading female entrepreneurs to share their stories with you. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Today's episode is called Ready, Set, Launch. So you've got your product, you figured it out, you know what your business is going to be, and then dot, 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 you need to launch. Launching is one of the scariest things you can do as a business owner. Is it too soon? Is it too late? How do I get the word out? How much money do I spend on launching this business? What's my PR strategy? The questions go on and on and on. I've launched a few things. Last year, I launched my book, Work Party, and then this podcast, Work Party, two things I knew nothing about and really just kind of threw stuff at the wall to see what stuck. You know, with the book, we had such an amazing pre-launch campaign, which is an important strategy in launching anything, and then a really strong post-launch campaign. And then you're constantly just kind of launching many new and exciting things around those products constantly. But the question is, how, when, who, what, and how much money to spend on things when launching a business. And so today's episode, we are getting right into it. So launching anything, you're going to know that your nerves are going to be on fire, but don't worry, we're going to ease your mind today because in today's work party episode, I'm sitting down with the incredible Shay Mitchell to talk through the launch of her new travel line, Bays. And our expert for this episode is Jesse Fafana, who is the founder of LaRue PR, Create and Cultivate's PR firm, but PR firm to many incredible women um, to talk about the tips for launching a buzzworthy product into the digital world or beyond, and also getting that super crucial press early on in your launch. Today's expert is Jessie Fafana. Jessie launched, built, and sold her first company all before turning 30. In 2005, she founded her own PR firm, LaRue PR, a smart boutique agency that has taken the lead in PR in the digital age. With over 20 years of experience, she's at the forefront of what is new and next in the PR world. She's regularly touted as a social media, influencer marketing, and PR expert, and I am so excited to have her on the show today. Let's welcome Jessie. Jessie runs Lure PR, as I've said, 450 times before we've gotten here. Um, But what's exciting is that 
LaRue does create and cultivates PR. Um, so we've worked together for what feels like 4,000 years, which is amazing. Um, but one of the things I love about you is that you don't feel like a PR person. And when I say that, I mean that lovingly. But I think a <laughs> lot of times people feel like PR is a bunch of BS. What are your thoughts? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like when we get new business, you know, inquiries, one of the first things that we're often forced to do is overcome a hurdle of either a pre-existing idea on what a PR person is, which is usually, um, they think it's usually someone who failed at what they originally wanted to be. Uh, like it, so like an editor who didn't become an editor and went into PR or we're overcoming a bad experience. So I think a lot of, uh, the ideas about, PR are conflated with annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, and it's not necessarily that PR is annoying. It's just that the, you know, periodically there that not everyone in PR is likable, like any industry. I think we get a bad rap and it's getting better. I've met a ton of really cool, uh, predominantly women working in PR that have been super down to earth and that like kind of cliche sort of sex in the city, Samantha, mm -hmm stereotype, um, which is, is old even now is, is, you know, phasing out completely. And I think it also comes from the fact that it is kind of an intangible thing, right? Like it's very specific where you're like, we're getting placements for you, but PR takes time. And I think, I think that's also hard for people to wrap their head around. But one question I have for you is when does someone need to hire a PR firm? So what I would say is I think there's different stages. And I think what you said, what you just said is true. PR is, there is an ambiguity to it. And the results aren't always clear cut. And they're less clear cut now than they were 10 years ago. There's no magic bullet placement anymore. Aside from a few, you know, select holiday gift guides like Oprah's. So um, I think there is ambiguity. If you're a small business owner, I think there's a few different stages of PR. If you're a really small business owner, you have the opportunity to give it a whirl yourself, which um, is not necessarily easy, but it's possible. So you can start by looking at the media landscape, seeing where your product or service might fit, fit in, working back from stories you see out there to find an editor and attempting to pitch an editor. Um, what I will say is if you do that, you're likely not, you're, you're likely won't get a response the first time or the second time, or even the third time. It takes a little bit of, uh, tenacity to kind of, uh, get a response. And you also have to be pitching something worthwhile. So that's sort of stage one, um, the DIY approach to PR, which is, I think if you're really small and just starting out, when you get a little bit more history under your belt and a little bit more, um, you know, your, your sales or your, your clientele is blossoming and you have a little bit of expendable revenue, or if it's not expendable, just revenue that you can put towards PR, then I highly recommend enlisting a professional. And whether that's a freelancer, whether that's a, you know, someone in college majoring in PR or whether that's you're at the next stage and it's an agency, um, it'll make your life easier. It's a, it's a job that requires time and connections and relationships. And oftentimes, you know, new business owners, small business owners don't have the, the they absolutely don't have time. It's a, it's a full-time gig to, to do it right. So, um, I think it just depends on your bandwidth and your budget. Absolutely. And 
A lot of PR, like you said, it comes down to the pitch. So what makes a good pitch is typically a good angle. Can you can you walk through what like a good pitch should look like, what a good angle is? Sure. So you have to think about the media. And the, the first thing that I would suggest for anyone that's going to do their own PR or work with an agency is to read the content of the places where you want to be featured. Know what you're going after. Uh, know what the editors or writers are covering that you're interested in and see what kind of stuff they like to write about. And then look at your, your pitch, your product, your service, your story, and figure out what is the most timely, meaning in the news cycle, if you're looking just at, at the news cycle, which is one of the elements uh, that make a story viable, is there something something happening by the calendar year, a holiday? Is there something happening tied to an event that you can lead with because new and newsy are sort of one of the number one reasons a story can run. And then once you, once you kind of figure that piece out, look at what you're pitching and figure out why it's relevant, why it's different and why anyone would want to cover it. I think a lot of the time, small business owners are so, you know, immersed in what they're doing and so close to it. And they don't always see they, a, they don't, they're not always realistic about what's possible because they love what they're doing so much and are so invested in it. And two, they're so close to it. It's hard to look at the angles. So for example, you know, a pitch or an angle, if you're working on it with a product, if you're a beauty brand, the, the obvious pitch and angle maybe to someone with less experience will be focused on the actual product. But the more viable story might be about the owner and how the owner arrived at making that product. So there's sort of different tiers of strategy and different kinds of press to go after. You want to you want to hit all of those tiers, but you want to go for the low hanging fruit first, especially if you're doing it yourself. So it's it's uh, what's new and newsy. What is your point of difference or your unique angle? And then how do you kind of spice it up and how do you do that without making your outreach to an editor via email super copy heavy, which is is not a good thing in the beginning. What is a major don't when pitching the press? There are there are kind of a lot of major don'ts, um, which, you know, if you do it for a long time, you learn them quickly. But I would say a few obvious ones are don't call. It used to be back in the day, you would obviously call, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself. Uh, <laughs> now, now everything is done. You're like, don't write them letters. <laughs> right, right. Faxes, faxes were how you pitched only faxes. Now you, 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 you don't call and you don't fax. Everything is done predominantly via email. Uh, if you don't have a relationship, if you do have a relationship, there's lots of like texting that can happen as well. Um, don't expect a response if you're cold pitching and don't be discouraged if you don't get a response. It's totally the norm to be chasing for a while. You have to have kind of a thick skin and be okay with that. It's certainly if you're building inroads with a new contact, you absolutely don't want to follow up so much that you're aggravating or annoying. Uh, and it's a fine line when you work in PR you want to you want to please your client and land them the results they're after. And sometimes it takes sort of pushing, gently pushing an editor or a writer for an update or for info on where where they are with a potential story. But there are times when you can, you know, be too aggressive and then it becomes like creepy and weird. You absolutely don't want to do that. And then I would say that the the last thing is when you're pitching it something in, don't kill them with copy. You know, give them the need to know details, maybe a few um, 
relevant images and, and leave it at that. Start there and kind of sort of plant the seed for the interest. If you inundate someone with, it's like anything else, you inundate someone with long emails, they're going to just delete that, not read that. So this episode is all about launching. So like launching a product. So can you tell us about the stages of a launch? Because there's pre-launch, there's launch, and then there's post-launch. And there's long lead, there's short lead, there's digital, there's influencer. Can you walk us through how all those things should play into your launch strategy? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of it works back from your actual launch date. When you have a soft launch or a pre-launch, like in the tech space, which we deal with a lot, it, that can make it a little bit more challenging. You, In some instances, you want to treat the pre-launch as the launch and drive all the press to the pre-launch phase. Other times, they're thinking of the pre-launch as a soft launch, and it's more of a test case, and so you don't want to do that. But uh, putting aside the the ambiguity of pre-launch or, or your, your big launch, uh, it, it all works back from there. So you look at your launch date, and... Typically, you want to start getting press on your launch date. And that's the tricky thing with PR is timing, because when you work uh, as a publicist, you don't necessarily have control. You're kind of uh, negotiating for the timing you need. So you want to let's say your product is going to launch May 1st. Uh, we start seeding those conversations as soon as possible. So what that means is we might be talking to editors in March about a launch happening May 1st. And it isn't because we're gonna, we're expecting necessarily to secure placement in March. It's to get it on their radar and to know that that they are potentially considering what we're working on for the real estate online or in print. And so typically you're starting those conversations earlier and you're looking at the different kinds of coverage you want. You might want a feature or profile story the first thing you want, let me backtrack. The first thing you want is a launch story. But in addition to that, you want a launch story that's going to run someplace major and that's going to hopefully be shared across a number of media platforms. But then you want to look at what you're pitching and think of all the other salient angles that you can get press on. If it's a product, what is the product placement you can you can have? Uh, as a business and a founder, what's the press on the business and founder that's separate from the launch story? Um, is there momentum in people that have signed up for a wait list for your impending product? Could that be a separate news story unto itself? And so you're looking at the digital landscape and the end print as well, and you're seeing where you fit. And so you might carve out a top business media outlet. It could be a fast company, an ink, an entrepreneur, you know, the Wall Street Journal. You're you're carving out if you're you, let's say you have a product focused on fashion or beauty, then you're looking at a women's media outlet, both print and digital. And while, excuse me, 90% of what we're focused on now is digital, print is still totally relevant and does lend some cachet um, and a different kind of credibility and different business owners uh, and brands have different reasons for wanting print. So you could still work on including print in there. You want to look at podcasts um, as they're a huge, you know, media outlet now and see if there are any that are in line with what you're working on. If it's a beauty product, a beauty podcast, if it's a startup, a startup podcast, both ideally. Um, and then you want to, you know, make sure that in each of those different arenas, you're, you're kind of trying to build in as much coverage as possible. So, I mean, Jackie, when we worked on work party, our strategy for that was our collective strategy, obviously with you in the loop and, 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 you know, helping to direct it was really about having like a total PR blitz around the time of launch. We worked for three months leading up to that to bring that to life. And we we did just what I said. We sort of covered 
all that ground. Um, we actually called it, I don't know if I ever told you, we actually called it in our office Operation Lemonade based on <laughs> Beyonce's drop. I mean, yes. Yeah. I'd like to be in the same category as Beyonce yeah, when launching things. <laughs> That's what we called it. We, were, we referred to it solely as Operation Lemonade. So so basically, you're doing all this this work on the back end to create momentum for launch day and launch week, but it doesn't just stop there. You also want to think about launch month and launch three months and kind of be building in as much coverage as you can for that that phase. And that's on the PR side. The other side of that with PR now, because it's not a one-trick pony that's print or digital only is looking at the influencer space, looking at celebrity placement, looking at key events that you can get involved with. Um, and so you kind of need all these different cornerstones that are under this PR umbrella to get all of those touch points with your end consumer and ultimately drive drive a sale. Absolutely. And so when one strategy that some people take is that they look at where their competition is covered and then just kind of pitch that same editor. Is that a good approach or do you think that, that can backfire? I think it can backfire unless it's done well. I mean, uh, typically the way editors work and media works is if they've covered one thing or something recently, they don't necessarily want to cover that same thing again, unless they're an editor that's only focused on that. So in both instances, the key to that situation is looking at what you're pitching and popping out the, the, the point of difference. Everything is really about point of difference and the timing. If there's, you know, if it's, it's, it's around uh, something tied to a holiday or voting. You know, you want to look at how what your the product or service or event that you're doing might relate to that, and use that timely nugget as a peg to pitch your story in. And then also, if your competitor was recently covered, figure out what's different and why you're compelling to kind of be featured as well. Like what makes you unique. I would say that we definitely, from our perspective, when we are working with clients, we will look and study where their competitors have been featured, who ran what on them, what the angles were, and we'll figure out through mostly research and then relationships if the editor is someone who would cover it again or if it's a one and done and they need a three-month or six-month window before they're going to cover it, you know, do a new story. What's your best advice for entrepreneurs thinking about how to position their brand in like the PR marketplace? There is no longer like one thing with PR. There is, you know, of course, a front page story in the New York Times <laughs> or any of those press opportunities still have a ton of value. But it's, you know, it's there's a short attention span. There's tons of content. So if you are, you know, a new business owner launching a product and you're trying to think about how to get PR, it has to be an ongoing plan in your brain. You have to know that it's something you're going to be constantly working at the same way you're sort of going to be working on your Instagram account. You need to feed the kind of PR machine, but then in a, in a more tangible way, I think it all completely boils down to what you're pushing, what your product is, what your service is, what your event is what makes it different, why it's newsworthy, and really kind of figuring those things out. Just because you think something's awesome and original doesn't mean an editor will. And so you kind of need to get outside yourself and look at what you're doing or selling and, and, and answer those questions. And that might mean doing your kind of due diligence with your community, with your friends, with fellow business owners to get their perspective on the things they, that are really unique about what you're offering. And then highlight 
highlight the shit out of that when you pitch, you know, when you're talking to editors or writers or producers, whoever it is, really try and sell in the u- the unique aspect of your product. And then again, hooking back to anything timely or new is a, is a surefire win. So to summarize, know your angles, be able to like tie something onto an existing sort of big cultural moment, whether it's like a holiday and don't fax people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Amazing. Those are are my takeaways. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for being on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Work Party is brought to you in partnership with Kara. Tis the season of spring cleaning. And when we say spring cleaning, we mean basically spring cleaning everything. Your inbox. Desktop. Your closets. Your morning routines. Your diet. Everything. Everything. For me, it's super important when I do my spring cleaning, which I always do, I always have to revisit how I'm approaching my days. And that really is my entire morning routine. Recently added care of to that morning routine with everything going on between work and life. You know, I'm always just looking for more ways to fit more things in and to feel good while doing it. And mm-hmm. care of is a great way to make sure I'm getting all my vitamins to do just that. And my favorite part of care of is actually that a portion of every sale goes to Good Plus Foundation, which helps expecting mothers get the prenatal vitamins they need, which I know is super important. Plus, there's vegan and vegetarian options. I'm a vegetarian, so I really, really, really appreciate that. And they offer essentially every vitamin you can think of and make the experience really enjoyable. I took the quiz online to figure out basically which vitamins I need to help me meet my goals. And I focused on energy, hair, and fitness. So, like, I just got into these dance classes (laughs) I'm really excited about. And what I really loved is I chose fitness as one of my goals of what I want to focus on. And then the vitamins that got selected for me and personalized for me will actually help me help my muscles like tone better. And like after the workout, they kind of kick all the other stuff in gear. So I'm like, okay, I went to the gym. Is everything working properly inside? There you go. (laughs) But I'm super pumped about these. You can order online. They come personalized. They're super cute. So highly recommend. For 50% off your first month of personalized Cara vitamins, go to take care careof.com and enter work party. That's takecareof.com and promo code work party for 50% off your first month of personalized vitamins. Go get it. Hey, work party listeners. It's Teal here, marketing manager at Create and Cultivate. And I am at CNC HQ with Heather Records. I'm the head of marketing and we're back with some of your fan questions, which we pull directly from our Instagram and we'll be doing this every week. So let's dive into the first question this week. Getting right into it. Wendy Perez, handle is at W-E-S-I-A-M on IG. Thank you for submitting your question. Her question is, is it bad to be thinking what's next career-wise while at a current job? I say definitely not bad. I think it's always a good idea to be thinking about your future and what you want next in your career. And something I always say is that if you don't want your boss's job or if you don't want a senior level job within your company, even if that's like seeing yourself in a senior level position in a new role that maybe you're creating to handle new problems or new projects within that company, if you don't want to be the next level, 
you definitely need to be thinking about what's next. It's so important to want bigger and better things for yourself. So, I mean, that's how you grow. And I don't think it's bad to be thinking about that at all. I always think about it. I agree. I agree. And a mentor of mine told me, like, it's always good to be in interview process just so you're comfortable with having that conversation talking about your skill sets talking about what you can do and just asking other people what you know what else is going on like what are the possibilities for you so I say that is not bad at all girl yeah definitely think about what's next and go get it for sure all right diving to the next question this one comes from Rose Gab on Instagram Um, She asked, what are the basic elements every brand should establish in the very beginning? So we actually dove into this topic, honestly, a couple of times, but specifically in season one of Work Party, the podcast, in the Start by Starting episode with Bobby Brown. So Bobby Brown is like a serial entrepreneur. I know we know her from, you know, the epic makeup line and stuff, but she has multiple businesses um, and she really covered the tips of how to get started with your brand and those basic elements. Um, And then we have Take Your Creativity Seriously as well, another episode on season one um, that we really talk through the creative process of establishing your brand. So Rose, go check out those episodes from season one of Work Ready. Yeah, and we are also launching Create and Cultivate Insiders. Um, That is launching in April, and that's also going to be a really great resource for women who are looking to start their business, looking for um, a little mentorship. Um, With Create and Cultivate Insiders, not only do you get access to our entire video archive of every panel, every speaker at Create and Cultivate and all of their knowledge bombs, you also get a digital mentor session. So we'll be tapping some badass creatives and entrepreneurs and founders and VCs and lawyers, um, just women who are absolutely killing it. And they'll be doing digital one hour mentor sessions every month. Um, So definitely worth checking that out if you are looking to start your own business. Absolutely. Our third question comes from Samantha and Shivani from More Than Model Radio, and they're asking, should I put more emphasis on my website or my social media? I'm trying to allocate the funds. Aren't we all? I mean, (laughs) allocating funds is the name of the game. Yes. But I personally believe and obviously social media is very important Um, when it comes to allocating funds when you're starting a business I think you need to focus on your owned properties you need to focus on your site and a really great user experience and seamless checkout experience you need to focus on building your email list getting those contacts remarketing to people that have purchased your products and you own that as we all saw (laughs) the great Instagram Mm -hmm catastrophe of 2019 (laughs) where we all twiddled our thumbs all day and had panic attacks (laughs) I mean you just you can't you don't know what's going to happen with these other platforms people invested their entire lives in divine and and you know that went away and so definitely put emphasis on what you own and um build that email list girl build that email list yeah I mean it's free to start on social media so yeah exactly and I'm not saying you shouldn't be allocating time definitely allocate time and resources engagement and content is so 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 important of course that is like how businesses are made and you should definitely be allocating time there and energy but when it comes to funds yeah Definitely. Make sure you're building your own things. Definitely owning that. 
Okay, fun. I love this. <laughs> I know. This is so much fun. I, I love it. Cool. seeing all the questions come through every week, and I know we can't get to all of them, but we'll be answering them again every week in every yeah. episode of Work Party. So Slide look, in the DMs. Yeah, slide into the DMs. Look for those questions when we post them on Wednesdays with every new episode, and check back here to see if your answers are on the podcast. Next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Today, I'm sitting down with Shay Mitchell. You may recognize her from Pretty Little Liars, but since then, Shay has been traveling the world and documenting it all on YouTube in her series, Shaycation. Today, we're going to talk about the launch of her brand new line, Baze, a super chic travel and luggage brand. It's everything you need to get started on your very own Shaycation. So let's get right into it. Shay, thanks so much for being on the show. So this past year has been huge for you. You've traveled all over the world. You starred in the show You alongside Penn Badgley, which I binged, peach forever. Um, And you continue to grow your ever-expanding empire, but also launched a product line, which is so exciting. What do you love about doing all these different ventures all the time? I love being busy, and I love being able to work on things that I'm truly passionate about. You know, no one has a gun to my head and is like, you need to start this new venture or you need to do this. It's truly just myself that's, you know, wanting to work on these things that get me excited. So you were the keynote at our Chicago conference last year and you were teasing what is now Bay. Right. So I was so excited because I was like, what is it? What is it? We're all trying to guess. And obviously, like, duh, luggage as someone who travels the world, you're kind of an expert. (laughs) But Tell us how this all kind of happened, like when the from the conversation, the idea to launch. Yeah. Well, you know, being on the show for seven years, I had a lot of downtime. I was always thinking about different things. And anytime I had, you know, a hiatus, my first thing to do would be to book a flight and go somewhere really far. Now, on those plane, long, long, long plane rides, I would have a lot of time to just kind of sit there and be like, oh, if I could invent something, what would it be? And I was like sitting, looking at the pocket in front of me, and I'm like, this thing is so disgusting. Like, how many kids have sat here? How much gum has been in here? Just like thinking all these crazy thoughts. And I remember asking, you know, having the stewardess leave me like this little plain napkin and doing doodles on them. And that is how the weekender came about because I wanted to come up with a bag where I could separate my shoes or any sort of like, you know, wet, wet, dry sort of concept. And then I also came up with this like seatback organizer that I couldn't find, or yes, there were versions of it online, but it just was really cumbersome or they weren't really cute. Um, so I just kind of came up with a, with base and it just made the most sense. You know, of course, yes, I could have gone into makeup, could have gotten into fashion, but truly what I love is travel and I want people to enjoy it and be able to go out there and explore because I think it's one of the most important things and I want them to feel comfortable while they do it. And, you know, travel in itself is is so expensive with the plane tickets, with accommodation and food and all of that, that I don't want to gouge you on your bag. This should be something that's being able to use. You're not worried about messing it up. And so affordable, chic, and functional were sort of my key elements. That's amazing. And I love that you created something that you thought was missing in the space. So we talk a lot about white space on the podcast and just saying 
what and what would I create because that doesn't exist that would help me with what I'm doing. Exactly. It's always like a selfish purpose at first. Totally. I'm like, I want to selfishly create this for myself and hopefully other people enjoy it. But that was it. You know, I was looking for affordable luggage. And when I was going into these big box stores, I found that anything that was affordable was very young. Mm-hmm. It was so colorful. It was bright and had patterns. And I was like, I just want a black suitcase that's like good, chic, and plain. Yeah. So that's sort of how this came about. Yeah. If it doesn't exist, go out and build it. Exactly. So the brand is beautiful, you know, from the logo to the website, super gorgeous. How did you come up with the name Beige? How did you know how to go about building this brand? Yeah, Beige means beige. And I was literally in love with this one beige leather bag that I had. I used it to travel with me everywhere. And then one time I had to like let it go. Um, and so this was just something that always was near and dear to my heart, you know, this bag that had always been just like my go-to for everything. So I also just wanted to create a line that, like I said, you know, the basics would always be offered in beige and black. And from then we would do drops of different color. You know, we have some colors coming up this year, which I'm excited about, but I just wanted you to always feel like you could get your basics. So you launched a, uh, you obviously have your YouTube, but you launched a series called How I Launched My Brand, which Mm kind of gives a behind the scenes of how it all sort of happened. And Mm -hmm. I think what's really incredible about this is the fact that oftentimes when celebrities are tied to a brand, you know, it's just, they're the face of it. Totally. But you built this from the ground. Yeah, this isn't a collab. I'm not the face. I'm like, this is my baby. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So tell us a little bit about all the aspects that you were involved in, but also why you thought it was important to document how you did this. I wanted people to see the steps, you know? I wanted to excite people and to make it seem like it's not... It is scary, but it's not as scary. And sometimes you need to get out of your comfort zone. This was something that I knew nothing about. You're right. For a lot of my years, I'd been the face of something or had done a collab, so I hadn't really seen what went on behind the curtains. With this, I wanted to be at every single meeting on every single phone call. I flew down to China. I picked the fabric, the zippers. Every single detail you see on any piece is because I chose it. Um, and, And that really meant a lot to me to be able to do something with this, to be able to have the creative control that I've never had before. Uh, it is really exciting. And then to see it do so well, I'm kind of like, okay, cool. People like it, you know? So it, it was just something that I, I wanted to see from start to finish. So in launching a brand and building a brand, like you said, you had this idea, you scribbled it on a napkin. Now it exists. It's out in the world. Did you bring in the experts at some point to say, like, how do I know which manufacturer to go with in China? Like, who were some of those key people at the beginning that you were like, I need to bring them in to help me make this happen? I totally had a partner, and I still do, and they are amazing. They've, you know, done their own stuff, so they were really aware and educated and had prior experience to launching other brands. So I definitely wanted to go in it not completely blind, and I joined forces with them. But, I mean, as far as creative control goals, I have 100% of that, which is just so awesome, and that's exactly what I wanted from the start. So to be able to work with somebody where I can learn from is very beneficial. And what was the most surprising thing to you when starting the company or picking out the fabrics or building the products? Like what about it was like, I had no idea that I had to do this. Or- How long it takes. Yes. <laughs> That's always what it is. I'm like, wait a minute. So from paper to actually being in front of me, it's like a six months to a year thing. And you're having to forecast what you think you're still going to enjoy in six months to a year from now. I mean, it's crazy. But yeah, you think about it and it's like you have to do a, a tech pack, you know, which is like the drawings and all the materials and seeing it perfectly with the measurements to then it goes to the, to the warehouse where it has to get you know built and all of that and then they have to send it back and then that sample 
one. You're probably going to have three different samples of it. It's just like there's so much that goes into it that it's a lot of planning and it's a lot of attention to detail. I don't think people realize that when they're buying products that that product has probably been in creation for over a year exactly. to make. Yeah. Um, which is difficult because it's hard to know what you like now, what you might not like exactly. in a year. So it's it's kind of one of those things. That's why I think it's important not to follow trends. Do you exactly. know what I mean? You exactly. have to go with your heart. And I think at the beginning, I was so nervous before I launched this. Like, are other people going to like this? Is this cool? What are the other, you know, fashion houses doing? What's out right now? And then I had to be like, I don't care what's out. I'm going to do this because I think it's awesome. I would totally wear this. I mean, obviously I designed it and I'm not going to worry too much about if this is going to be hot in six months from now. So luggage, I would say is one of the most disruptive markets right now. What differentiates you guys from your competitors and how are you continually trying to evolve the brand? We're launching in May, so I have a whole little social campaign that you'll be seeing, which completely separates us from everybody else. But truly, I wanted, like I said earlier, you know, the three main things that I wanted to focus on was it to be fun, chic, and like functional and affordable, of course. And those, yeah, of course, there's other similar brands on the market that are doing something, but do I think they have a chic element to it or it's a little cute? No. So I wanted to do that, and that was my sort of disruption, you know? I also take into accountability a lot of the, the you know, what the fans are saying and the customers that are buying these products. I go out on social media and I ask them, what colors do you want to see for fall? And I truly take that into consideration, and 90% of the time I go with that. So I think it's important that you're also involving the consumers. So you said you have a massive launch in May. Mm -hmm. It must be interesting from going from being the influencer who's typically like producing other campaigns or like being the face of other marketing campaigns. Now you're doing your own marketing yes. campaign for your own brand. What's that experience been like? It's a little stressful, you know. <laughs> I'm used to just kind of showing up and being told where to go and that kind of thing. But, you know, this is fun. I get to get my hands dirty. I get to be the one that people come to and they're like, do you like it like this or that? And, you know, because it is my brand and I know – everything there is to know about it. Um, I think it's a really, really fun process. Of course, I'm still listening to other people and taking into, the, my, into mind their concepts. But at the end of the day, I have a really, really clear view of where I want to take this and how I want to do this. And so when the, even the campaigns come out, I know sort of, you know, how I want the creative to look. And I want to talk a little bit about the power of influencer marketing. So obviously you've been on both sides of it now. Are you looking to influencers to help promote the product line? I'm looking at friends to enjoy it. I won't pay anybody. I think there's such a solid community of, of, of my friends and other business women, and we support one another. But it's not like I ever post anything because I feel like I have to. Or I'm just doing them solid. I'm genuinely posting about my other friends' brands and other brands that I just genuinely love because I like it. You know, and I think if you like something, then go ahead and promote it. It's not always a paid thing here. Um, and so with me, I think I just sent it out to all of my friends. And, you know, if you like it, then cool. Post a bit, share it. That's what we're doing in this day and age anyways. It's true. So what's your favorite item from the line? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's like picking your favorite child. Because true. for me, it's like they. I've spent so much time on all of them. I, I mean... I'd say the weekend and the cosmetic bag were just so awesome to be able to see people use them because the weekender was something that I'd created in, in mind because I go on all these little like burst trips, you know, like over the weekend or whatever. And it was just the perfect bag for that. And then the cosmetic bag, you know, the fact that I added a mirror in it and it could stand up, I think for all the women that are on the go getting ready, it just made their lives so much easier. And it was something that wasn't like 
that crazy to think of, but it hadn't been done. So just those two things, I think, because they were my first, but then I mean the seatback organizer is awesome too. And it just keeps your stuff clean and, and you're not forgetting your passport or your AirPods in the little seat pocket. But then I also like the small carry-on cosmetic bag, you know, because it's like I hated having to always go and grab my bag from the little top part, bringing it down. I have all my stuff that I need now in this little bag, and it's just so awesome. And it's cool now when I travel that all the stuff that I'm using is my own. It'll be probably surreal when you're traveling and starting to see people I saw one girl with a backpack (laughs) on my last trip, and I, like, ran up to her. It was so awesome. I mean, that must have been so insane for her, but that's amazing. I was like, hey! She was a little nervous at first, but it was like seeing it in the wild. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's going to keep on happening. So this episode is really all about launching. Like, Mm -hmm. And I think the launch is sometimes the scariest part. of. Like, you have the product. You went to China. You sourced the materials. It looks amazing. It's working. People like it. But is it good enough? Do people want it? What's exactly. happening? So how did you get over that fear and, and what was sort of your strategy going into it? That night before we launched, I was super stressed out and I think that everybody on my team was like, oh gosh, because I hit everybody and I'm like, hey, do you think we could maybe just like hold off a beat? Like maybe we just give it a week. I think I need to shoot one more thing that I could put up on Instagram before we launch. And they're like, Shay, it's good. It's amazing. Just like relax. And so I really did just have to let it go. I had to just put it out there. And I think, you know, somebody said to me, this is awesome. It's your first thing. What you want is feedback from this. So if anybody has feedback, this isn't the last bag you're going to design, then take in that feedback and make a better version of it and continue to do that. And that's exactly what I did. And because they're affordable, I'm not asking you to put your life savings into each of these products. They're really affordable. They're meant to get dirty and get messed up. Uh, It's like another stamp to your passport is how I like to look at it. You know, when it's time for a new one, then you get a new one. You don't feel guilty about it. So it was really cool to be able to get that advice that sometimes you just have to put it out. As, an, as a creative, you know, it's or an artist, it's always going to be hard. You're never going to think it's good enough. But yeah. you've obviously worn a ton of hats, you know, actress, content creator, all these things. So now entrepreneur, how is this hat different than those other hats? What's keeping you up at night? Like how, how have you changed the way you sort of are approaching things? I just feel like, you know, you really do have to build the team that cares about it as much as you do. And before, you know, I could do collabs and I could be a part of things. And yes, I cared and I liked that product. But did I love it as much as the owner and the creator did? No. And now being able to be on it from the other side, it's really cool because you're getting to build this team, you know, from everybody, from the models that shoot the campaigns to the people that are filming, the social components of it, to everything. It's like being able to excite people and make them feel your passion for what it is that you're all creating collectively is really exciting. So I love being able to be that like positive force in the morning and being able to set the tone for any sort of shoot or meeting that we have. And I think it just creates a really good work environment. So the fact that now being the entrepreneur and, you know, I can come into the room and sort of set the tone for that. And I love that because I always wanted to be a positive place that people are excited to come to and be able to work on. Hiring, I think, oftentimes can be the hardest. Oh, it's the hardest. Part of the job. Do you have any tips, anything that, any tricks, any interview stuff, anything you're looking for when you're bringing someone into the room to potentially join the team? I think it really comes down to enthusiasm and their passion, you know? And also, I always like to do three-month trials for myself because I think it's a huge commitment to sign on for a year with somebody when you have no idea. You haven't worked with them. You don't know your work ethic. And I'm also 
always honest when I meet somebody at the beginning. You know, I say something that like Beyonce said in her documentary when she's like, I'm not sleeping, you're not sleeping. And okay, obviously I sleep. But the point of that message is that if I'm working this hard, I need you to match me. I'll never be the one saying, hey, I'm going to go to bed. Do you mind staying up all night? I'll never be that person. But if I'm up, I really need you to match that. And that's what I'm looking for in everybody that's on my team. And I feel like I've finally been able to build that now, which is so awesome. That's incredible advice. And I'm definitely going to use that in my next interview. That's incredible. It might scare off a few people, but hey, if it does, then you're not meant to be on my team, Ellie, you know? So it's so true. And so you've built this team now. You're, you know, the CEO. You have to start looking, you know, two years down the line, three years down the line, Mm. whatever it is. What's the future of Bayes look like? For you, like, how do you want this to grow into a massive company? I want it to encompass all things travel, families travel, getting into that market, a hundred percent. I want it to. I want to make it easier for everybody, no matter what role you play, to be able to travel comfortably. Collaboration is a huge piece of marketing these days. You know, brands coming together, influencers coming together. Is collaboration going to be in the DNA? Absolutely. I love collaborating. I think it's so crucial. You get to have somebody else's spin on on what it is that you're doing, especially when somebody has loved your product from the get-go to then be able to see how they, you know, turn it around. I think it's really exciting. So I definitely have a few people in mind that I would love to uh, collab with. And I think that it's, it's awesome. So launching, like you said, you had those nerves the night before, things always go wrong. What were some of the initial challenges that you faced during the launch period? And what were some of the successes that you celebrated? Oh, I mean, on both sides, we sold out way quicker than we thought. So we were dark for two months because I had no idea. And then, you know, I know some people do like pump sellouts and it's like sold out. Not really. I had no product. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I wish that could have been a fake one and I could have brought it back in in a week. We were gone for two months because our factories, it was impossible. So that was a learning curve. You know, and again, we just sold out on a couple other products. But at least it's like now knowing we partnered with Nordstrom, so now we're in their stores, brick and mortar. I have Revolve. We're selling on online there. And so now it's like, yes, you may not be able to get certain products on basetravel.com, but you can now go on Revolve or go to Nordstrom. So that's cool. I have, like, partners now, which is really awesome. But, yeah, I mean – just the ordering. We're not, we're learning how much to order and and what, you know, we think is going to do really well. You never know, but hey, it's a good problem to have. Totally. And it's, it is tricky because if you order all this inventory, it doesn't sell. That's a really expensive problem to have. You sell out, it's a good problem, but then you're not servicing your, your clientele. So content obviously plays a huge role in the brand as well. Um, how are you using platforms, you know, Instagram, Facebook to kind of build your following for the company. Yeah. Well, YouTube, I used it in a way to show sort of the whole process of start to finish with base, which was, I think a lot of people thought was pretty cool. And I really did want to take you with me throughout the journey. With Instagram, I think it's just more behind the scenes of meetings and asking them for advice. You know, hey, what do you guys think? What are you liking? What are some features you want to add? And uh, I really use them as an extended part of the team, which is really cool. So social media in this day and age is really awesome because you can just use it in such a valuable way to be such a great resource. So I want to talk a little bit about Shaycation and your content that you're creating. So number one, you've traveled everywhere in the world. What are your travel hacks? And are you one of those people that puts the full like sheet mask on your face on the plane? Like tell us everything. I will be that person who you wake up with from a deep sleep and you are scared 
completely <laughs> by because of what you see next to you. I have no shame. The time up in the air is my time to like relax and rejuvenate. It really is. A lot of the times I tend not to even go on Wi-Fi, take advantage of the fact that I'm in a plane uh, by myself. So I enjoy it. You know, it's a time for me to relax and then also pamper myself any which way I can. So if it includes a mask or I'm doing hand treatments or what have you, I'm doing everything. And I think I have it down to a complete like pro status now where like all the things in my bag, like I could probably be in the air for like five days straight and be okay with the amount of snacks that I bring, like lotions and potions and toothbrushes and all of the, that kind of stuff. I could definitely be okay for like a solid week in the air. <laughs> what was your favorite place to travel last year domestically and then abroad? Oh I went to so many different places last year and I feel like, I mean, I've always been in somebody who's you know, really believed in, in manifesting and, and cultivating your future. Um, and so for me, that happens with writing things down. So when I write different places down that I want to go, it tends to happen always. But last year, I went to Tokyo for my first time. And I was just blown away. Tokyo and then Kyoto. And I just loved everything about it. I love the culture. I love the people, the food, of course. And just, I felt very at peace being over there. And um, so I've actually gone back twice now since then, <laughs> and I'm going back again this week. So uh, yeah, I can't get enough, and I absolutely love it. I'm just really inspired being over there. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like they're just so ahead of everything and their sense of style and, and everything from organization to like just how they do things is so thought out and in the moment. Nothing's rushed. It's always done with a lot of attention to detail, and uh, I really admire that. I'm sure you can get a lot of inspiration for exactly. what's next for you on that one. So you open up a lot about your struggles, you know, whether it's on vacation on your YouTube um, channel through your behind the scenes content. That's kind of become a trend amongst female entrepreneurs in general, too. Not just saying like, hey, look at me. I'm the CEO. Things are going so great. Why do you think it's important to open up about how things are oftentimes difficult? I think you have to be honest. If I were just to show the amazing things, that would be such BS. It's not true. It's like the same thing with women that are pregnant. You know, I'm always like, okay, tell us the other side of the story because it's not always peaches and rainbows. Same with being a CEO or, or just working in general. You know, there's ups and downs to that. And I think it's important so people just don't think it's going to be an easy ride. You need, being an entrepreneur is going to be one of the hardest things in the world. You're literally starting from zero and a lot of it falls on your shoulders, everything. So I just feel like I want to share that other side of it as I do with other things that are in my life. You know, I like to show a lot of the pluses because there are. I'm really, really fortunate. I'm a really happy person. Uh, but then there are those times when shitty things happen. And I feel like I have to share those too because I don't know who's out there that's watching or listening or looking at my stuff that is also in the same boat and they can feel maybe a little less alone. It, that's really why I do it. And I mean, you reach millions and millions of people and, you know, you opened up about having a miscarriage, which I think is so amazing because I think, you know, while it might be, you know, at least amongst my friend group, it's something that is talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. I also have encountered women who feel very alone and that think it's there. It only is happening to them. Right. So 
thought, why was that important to open up about that to your followers? And what was some of the reaction that you got? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of friends that have kids. I mean, close, close childhood friends of mine, I have, you know, one. And so I hadn't, I had no idea mm. that miscarriage was as common as it is. One in three. Or exactly. Like I that, had yeah. no idea. So when it happened, I was just like, wait, what? Like, am I broken? Is something wrong? Like, what's going on? And as a woman, you feel like that's what you were meant to do, you know? So when you can't, it's like, it's really upsetting. Mm. But then when I actually had put that message out, and there was more to that message too, I really wanted people aside from that to just say like, hey, you wake up in the morning, like be nice to everyone. You have no idea what somebody else is going through. You have no idea. Smile on their face or laughing or not, you have no idea what has just taken place. And so kindness was really the message that I was wanting to, to spread with that. But yes, on the miscarriage side, you know, when I put that out, I had so much feedback from people people and a lot of women that I knew that I had never known they had gone through that that had reached out and said hey like thanks I thought kind of you know I was feeling really alone too and I'm like no this is something that needs to be talked about just like postpartum does just like the ups and downs of everything about being a woman and a human alone you know so for me it's like this is just something that feels right for me to do I have a social following it's not always peaches and rainbows a lot of the time it's great but for the you know the downsides too I I want to be able to share that because I know I'm not the only one and it's therapeutic. And I think, you know, oftentimes when you're the woman on top, when you're the CEO, everyone just thinks you're invincible. Like you mm -hmm. got this, like she's dealing with everything. And I think oftentimes you're exactly right. Like you don't know what anyone's going through and specifically the stresses that come with running a business, being a public person, being a woman, trying to be a mother. All of these things are so layered and complicated. And I think oftentimes when you when a picture's posted of like her life is so amazing, it's important to show both sides of it because I think oftentimes people just see the highlight reels. Exactly. So I think that's And that's why I always say I'm like, a lot of it is is, you know, truth and that's fine. I'm really, really myself on IG stories and that kind of stuff on my YouTube. You know, of course, my Instagram feed is a lot more curated, but that's only for myself, mm -hmm. and I know that. But when this had all happened, you know, I was in Paris Fashion Week, and everybody's like, you're at the Louis Vuitton show. You look so cray. You're so high. I wish I could do this. You look amazing. I'm like, I had to put a smile on my face. Mm -hmm. Like, no one had known what had happened. Um, and at that time, I didn't want to come out about it just then, but I feel like that was exactly the reason why I put it out, is because everything can look so great in somebody's life, and you you can be talking to them. And if you had talked to me that week, you would have had no idea because mm -hmm. I was working, I was on, I was there to see the show and the content, the photos you were going to see where I was happy. But, you know. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. So to spread kindness. Yeah. So a lot of the people listening are entrepreneurs who maybe haven't started their business, haven't taken that first step or maybe in it just launched. Maybe the launch didn't go as planned. What advice do you have for them or what advice do you wish was given to you early on? Just like don't look at anything as being mistakes. I changed that word to missteps. It was a misstep and then I got right back on the path and kept going. You're never going to be able to come right out and be like, oh, everything was perfect. Everything worked out completely. And if you do, then props to you. Awesome. But I actually love all the missteps that were taken on this path and that I will continue to take because from those, I learned so much more and hopefully prevent any 
way bigger missteps from happening. So it's like I encourage those. I, you know, that's how I learn. That's how I grow. That's how I get back up. And, you know, anytime I feel completely comfortable, I feel like I've sort of halted in growth, and I hate that. So whenever I'm comfortable, you know, that's my thing where I'm like, okay, how else can I challenge myself? What else can I do? Because I want to kind of make those missteps. Yeah, someone once, and I'm totally going to forget who told me this, but like failure is just feedback. Exactly. It's so true, and I think it's so important. I think if you are nervous about launching your product or like, I don't want to do it, just do it. And also that just shows that you're passionate about exactly. it and you're excited about you it. You care. I mean, that's a great thing. It's the same with being an actor. When I go into an audition, if I completely don't feel anything and I don't care, I don't care about that project, mm. you know? But I, I think it's a good thing. And at the end of the day, like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? You put it out there and what? Many people have failed before. You're not the first and you won't be the last. But you know what? If you pop off and you pop off and you get to do what you love. So that's way more worth it for me. Absolutely. And there's some incredible stats about like, I think Oprah was fired from her first job. Anna Wintour was fired as a stat. Like, you don't hear those stories. No. You just hear about them being, you know, the top of the top. So you just The amount know. of auditions I go out on a <laughs> daily basis that I, like, how many have I gotten? But that's fine. You know what I mean? It's fun. Look at it as being a fun thing and not like, yeah. So we're going to end with some sentence finishers. So get excited. Okay. My superpower is? Multitasking. Oh, I mean, that's a good one. Uh, when I'm creatively blocked, I re-inspire myself spending time with, with friends and family. My hidden talent is singing Ooh. in the shower. Can you give us a little a little preview? singing to the shower? You never know. You never know. Ooh. I could come out with an album next week. You never know. Ooh. And the best advice I ever received. Live the life you love. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Work Party listener exclusive, we're launching a members-only platform on createcultivate.com. Become a Create and Cultivate insider to get exclusive digital mentor sessions, hours of archived panel conversations from our previous conferences, plus future conferences, front-of-line passes for our pop-ups around the country, early access to our always-sold-out events, top-notch downloadable business resources from experts, and so much more. If you sign up to become a member before the official launch date on April 2nd, use code EARLY insider for 10% off your annual membership. That's code early insider for 10% off your annual membership. Head to createcultivate.com to get all the Create and Cultivate insider goods now. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur ups, the downs, the things I learned and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on WorkParty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.